Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. It is Wednesday, July the 19th, 2023, right around 3.17 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And before we dive deep in today's journey, I want you to consider something. There's a song um, that Julie Andrews sings. It's called Whistling in the Dark. And you don't have to play it. You don't have to listen to it. There's a link in my notes if you want to. But whether you do listen to it or not, I would like you to understand that when I think about what we're about to discuss, I think about this song. When I think about the world of Abraham, the world of Genesis, but specifically the world of Abraham. I imagine it to be a world of infinite loneliness, of difficulty and strife that most modern people couldn't understand. At least, not all, but probably most, especially in this country. And in this connected world, right? We've got the Twitter, we've got the Facebook, we've got text messages, we have a phone that we can pick up and we can call somebody. But imagine the world four or 5,000 years ago. Imagine the world as an infinite world of a big desert, of a loneliness that has no end. You struggle through the world. You are harassed. You are attacked. The very few possessions you have are often stolen. If you have a wife or wives, they're often taken and raped, and killed. The world of Abraham was brutal. The world of Abraham was dark. The world of Abraham was a world. Very different in many ways, but in some ways not so different. Um, and you have to forgive me because I'm a little bit emotional today for lots of reasons, but uh, the world of Abraham was a world seeking after a light. And when Abraham was born, and when Abraham became a man, he was still struggling to find the light. He was still struggling to find the word. And then one day, the word spoke. And then one day, Abraham was not alone. Imagine a world like that. Like I said, no social media, no instant connectedness. You're out on an empty plane and nine times, no, excuse me, 99 times out of 100, if you saw a person, they were probably going to come and kill you. That was the world of Abraham. The first reading is from Genesis 22, 1 through 19. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, here I am. He replied, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. 
Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I go while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his, on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from, my, from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord Will Provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from, the, from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. This is the word of the Lord. The next reading is... 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 through 19. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. 
If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, that will be, that will, excuse me, if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The next reading is Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food, day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. From the lands of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roars of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say, to God, my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony, as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O oh Lord, how do we remain steadfast in this place? We sojourn, dear God, at your request per your plan. We are alive because your breath is in us, because you will it. We exist and we are in pain. Jesus, your Father sent you to this world to save the sinners. Your Father made a way for his flock. In spite of our great shepherd, we stray. 
We wander off the path. We long for shinier gods. We lust for the world and its promise. And in all this, Satan is waiting as a wolf ready to take your children and turn them to stone. Lord in heaven, we are struggling. We are hounded by the demons. We are chased by evil men. We should take comfort that you are there, but the offers of Satan are many. Lord, help us in this wilderness as you helped Abraham. Help us to be as strong as your saints. Help us to remember that you are always here. God, we renew our faith in you. We will pray with open hearts. We will nourish ourselves with your word. And we know, as the darkness falls, that your love is our light. In your name we serve, Jesus Christ, amen. The next reading is Job chapter 7. Do not mortals have, a, have hard service on earth? Are not their days like those of hired laborers? Like a slave longing for the evening shadows or a hired laborer waiting to be paid? So I have been allotted months of futility and nights of misery have been assigned to me. When I lie down, I think, how long before I get up? The night drags on, and I toss and turn until dawn. My body is clothed with worms and scabs. My skin is broken and festering. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and they come to an end without hope. Remember, O God, that my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. The eye that now sees me will see me no longer. You will look for me, but I will be no more. As a cloud vanishes and is gone, so one who goes down to the grave does not return. He will never come to his house again. His place will know him no more. Therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I the sea or the monster of the deep that you put me under guard? When I think my bed will comfort me and my couch will ease my complaint, even then you frighten me with dreams and terrify me with visions. So that I prefer strangling and death rather than this body of mine. I despise my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone. My, day, my days have no meaning. What is mankind that you make so much of them, that you give them so much attention, that you examine them every morning and test them every moment? Will you never look away from me? or let me alone even for an instant? If I have sinned, what have I done to you, you who see everything we do? Why have you made me your target? 
Have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my offenses and forgive my sins? For I will soon lie down in the dust. You will search for me, but I will be no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The next reading is from Mark 11, 22 through 24. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, right? Nope. Not going to talk about Star Wars. That, that whole topic angers me, and I don't think that's a good place to be right now. No, a long time ago, I was a soldier. Maybe not a very good one. A long time ago, I was an officer in the Army. Perhaps not a very good one. And I can't really tell you that I enjoyed my service. That would not be true. But I will say, there was one particular week in 1997 that might have been one of the best weeks of my life. It was at Fort Benning, Georgia, Airborne School. Back then, so we can just keep this clear, I would have called myself an atheist, just so we have context. And one of the things you do at Airborne School is you actually learn to pack a chute, a parachute. You pack a military parachute. And you actually get to meet some of those specialists, some of those sergeants and privates of, of the Airborne um, team, so to speak. You get to meet the people that actually do it professionally. By the way, the chutes you end up packing as an Airborne soldier probably get emptied out immediately after you leave because really it's that important. It's that serious. If you actually have been to airborne school and seen people pack chutes, it's a discipline. It's a thing you take seriously because somebody's life depends upon it. The last week of airborne school, my favorite week was jump week. You get five jumps. I'm a five jump chump. One of the jumps is at night and I was lucky enough, and I say lucky enough, to be stick leader, which means that for every jump I did, I was the first person out the door. Now you could say to yourself, Dan, how is it you could stand at a door and look out the window? Well, not really the window, look out the door. How could you look out that door, stand in the door, and whether it's day or night, let's talk about day, and see the ground go by you um, at, you know, 100 miles an hour or so, 
I think the C-130 probably traveled at 150 or something like that during a jump up. We also jumped out of a jet airplane. Um, I forget its nomenclature. I think it was a C-47, not a C-47. I think it was, it basically it was one of these Air Force jump planes and you also jump out of those, you know. But the key point is, is that you stand in that door and you see the ground go by and the question might be, how could you do it? I was never afraid. I wasn't afraid once. In fact, I was exhilarated. I was, I was an atheist who had faith that the people that packed my chute knew what they were doing. I was an atheist that had faith that the folks who trained me to do a parachute landing fall did it correctly. I was an atheist who had faith that if I counted three seconds and I needed to, I could pull my reserve chute and I'd still be alive. I had faith in earthly things and it was rewarded. Many years later, like more than a decade later, I was driving across the Cascade Mountains. I'd visited my sister in eastern Washington and I was driving down the mountain. And it was at one of those moments in my life where I was at that juncture between having faith and not having faith. And it was early in the morning, I think it was Highway 2, no, excuse me, Highway 20. So it was the North Cascades. It was one of these drives where, where on the one side you have this mountain going up and on the other side you have the chasm going down, the valley. And I was the only car on the road. And at a certain point I had to pull over. I couldn't go any further. I had to pull over because I was afraid for some bizarre reason as I looked out into the distance that my car was going to tumble off the side of the road, that I would tumble into the ravine. And it wasn't just that I was in my 40s. It wasn't just that I was older. That wasn't the whole explanation. It was a tough time in my life, but a lot of people have tough times. I had this sense driving down that road that something about where I was going was wrong. I think it was the year 2011. <sighs> the question, what is faith, seems like a dumb question, especially to Christians. You'd say, well, Dan, it's obvious. It's believing in God. It's following and being true to the Lord's word. And it sounds like a good answer, right? To believe in God, to be true to his word, to follow his commandments. But is that what faith is? Is faith going to church every Sunday? Is faith paying a tithe to some minister's church or donating to some random minister on channel 23 at, you know, 2 or 3 a.m.? Is faith an exercise? Is it a ritual? Is it a habit? Well, let's talk about yesterday. Yesterday, some things happened to me. And when I think about my podcast and what I tell people, especially when I describe the situation for many people, that they're flying at 100,000 feet. But the reality is I'm still flying at 100 feet. And at 100 feet off the ground, how can I phrase this? is still a dangerous altitude to fall from. 
you fall from 100 feet, there's a very good chance you're going to be dead. Yesterday, my blog crashed. It's been crashing about every week for the last couple months. I have the same conversation with tech support every single time. They tell me it's fixed. And then a week later, it's broken again. And I'll tell you something. If I wasn't paying attention to my blog the way that I do, that particular situation probably would continue for several weeks. The same thing happened to me when I was, you know, a customer of GoDaddy. And I was a customer of theirs for about a decade, um, almost exactly 10 years. When you think about a loyal customer and their faith that you're going to provide good service, I was a loyal customer. I had faith that GoDaddy would provide good service. And in October 2021, they took my blog, they took my domains, they took money that I barely had. It's not like I'm rich, my prepaid fees, and then told me to beat bricks. And yesterday, I had the sense that the same pattern was happening with Bluehost, that eventually, within a couple weeks, they would simply cancel me. And I got angry. I got angry, and if you listen to that podcast, you could probably tell. I got angry because this stuff, these things, would be taken away. I looked at my checking account, and I saw that there was $3 in it, and so I got angrier, and I emailed a friend. By the way, a friend of mine, a particular friend in Seattle, um, who's a far better Christian than I am. His faith is greater and stronger than mine. He has been through more in his life than I have ever been through, and if anybody ever had an excuse to turn out like a terrible person, a mean person, a brutal person. This person has every excuse, and yet he might be one of the, the best people I know. Yesterday, I yelled and I screamed. I shaked my fist at God. I took whatever money people sent me, and I went and got a bunch of beer, and I drank it, and I stewed in my juices. So here's a question. How strong is my faith? If my faith were strong, I would not be afraid or care if some earthly entity decided to cancel me. I wouldn't complain about censorship because in truth, there is no way to censor the spirit. I would not be in that state of mind if my faith were strong. It's not to say that we don't have a right to fight for who we are. We do. The Lord wants that. In fact, the Lord demands it. But what we should not be are angry warriors for Christ. What we should not be is hate-filled. And yet I was. I think I spent about four or five hours yesterday filled with hate. And then later in the day, my brother, who's living in Maine, out of his, living out of his car in Maine, called me on Skype, because um, currently I don't have a phone. And I should have been comforting to him. If I'm a disciple of Christ, if I have faith, I should have been someone he could call who could say things to him that would be more like the glad tidings. And, and don't get me wrong, the Lord loves also the person that points out 
the darkness and the cracks. The Lord loved Jeremiah. And believe me, Jeremiah was probably not a great person to have over for dinner. Just saying. No, I, I think I would have him over for dinner, but don't expect a happy topic from Jeremiah. You know? In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Jeremiah got as angry or angrier than I've ever gotten. And, and he had good reason. He had really good reasons. He was watching his world, his society, descend into sin. And it wasn't the first time. It wasn't the first time that the chosen people turned their eyes away from God. He knew that too. And once again, his brothers and his sisters and his family and his community was being destroyed because people who should have had a strong faith did not. They were a people that grumbled and wondered, Dear Lord, what have you done for me lately? So they looked to Baal. They looked to Moloch. They looked to all the lowercase gods and said, Well, here we go. I'll take a lowercase god statue and I'll put it out in front of my home. Because maybe this time it will work. Like, you know, it's technology. Like it's a transaction. But faith is not a transaction. I should have been comforting to my brother. And I was not. And I have to think on that too. How strong is my faith? I'm not going to have a home in a few weeks. Very likely. And this isn't because of anything being done to me by people. God bless the people of this home. God bless this community and this place I have sojourned in. I have been lucky, despite all the strange things that have happened here, to have maybe two of the most peaceful years of my whole life here in Utah. As strange as that sounds. At a nowhere place, a small town, maybe a couple stoplights. The reason I'm going to be um, homeless isn't because of anything being done to me by others. It is a simple reality that life is like that now for a lot of people. Okay? None of us are perfect. The problem is, in the world the way it is right now, being less than perfect means one mistake, one error, one bad decision. And you could find yourself, yeah, kind of in the same place like Abraham. In the wilderness, wandering the wasteland, shaking your fist at God and saying, Why have you done this to me? Like the words of Job. If my faith were strong, why would I fear being homeless? Why would I fear having nothing but a backpack and a little bit of food and a Bible and walking away from what little stuff I have left. If you looked around my basement room, you'd see I have almost nothing. And yet, I'm afraid to lose what little I have. Is that faith? Is that dedication to God? To be afraid of losing what few things you have? Because why? What did Lord, what did the Lord, what did the Lord. What did Jesus Christ say to his disciples more often than not when he met them? When, when he showed up out of nowhere and said, follow me, 
he'd say, leave your belongings behind. Leave your stuff at the seashore. You see that boat you own? Leave it. Because you're going to do a different kind of fishing now. You're going to be fishing in a way that you've never fished before, buddy. So leave what you have and follow me. That is what faith is. To have a man like Abraham living in a world that was so lonely and so dark, and to have a man like Abraham to be found by God and to be brought up by God, to be given so many things, so much wealth, he had servants. And then to have his first son, Isaac, because he had other children, but this was his first son with his wife. And to have Isaac, to have the Lord say to Abraham, take your son up to that mountain and kill him. Kill your son. That's faith. That's a faith more powerful than I think I can imagine. That's a faith that, and this is the miracle of grace, and this is the miracle of the Holy Spirit, and this is the miracle of the Lord. That is the faith that brings light into a dark world. That is part of the message of Christ, that through faith, through our dedication to the word, we can do as he did. We can heal and we can heal others. We can help and be helped. We can wash the feet of those that are dirty. We can be with everyone, including Roman centurions, because we have faith. We can sit down for a meal with a Roman because we have faith, because we have learned something that was so hard to learn, that the way you bring light into the world is to become the light yourself. If I had faith, I would pack my backpack in a couple weeks. I would give away what I have to the people I love and care about. And, and I got to tell you, I'm going to miss all of these people, but I'm going to miss the dogs. I'm going to miss Boomer. But I would have the faith to say goodbye, to hit the road with a Bible, with some water, with some food, and not much more. And I would be unafraid Every single day I would wake up unafraid if my faith were strong. So tell me again, brothers and sisters, how simple a question is it, what is faith? What is it? It's not a transaction. You don't pray and say, Lord, give me a ski boat. Lord, give me a pile of gold. Lord, give me 17 wives and a huge piece of property, and all kinds of people to serve me. Lord, give me good food. Lord, give me good beer. Lord, turn my water into wine so I can sell it. Faith is not a transaction. It's not. I'll let you on a little secret that maybe you already know. When Abraham took Isaac up to the top of that hill... There's a chance that Isaac, you know, might have been dead. That there would have been no angel holding back his knife. That the Lord would have, 
in a different type of scenario, let him do it. And frankly, when you think about the lowercase gods that existed back then and still exist today, they would have simply said, kill your son, and there would have been no angel. Isaac would simply be dead. And yet Abraham, who saw it all, who lived in the great emptiness that most of us can't understand, Abraham, who understood loneliness in a way that very few throughout history ever understand it, he was willing to give up Isaac, someone he loved, someone he cared for. It's not in Genesis, the whole story, because I think, like with the word generally, you kind of have to read between the lines, so to speak. But you can assume that Abraham loved Isaac, and Isaac loved Abraham, and at that last moment, there were probably tears. <sighs> tears on the face of Abraham, tears on the face of Isaac. And there was an angel, and there was a promise. There was a covenant, because Abraham had faith. As Christians, if we have faith, we can change the world in a million important ways. Each one of us. We can walk out into the world and be unafraid. If we have faith as Christians, we can walk into a room and say without fear, I am a Christian. I believe in God. I know he loves us all, all of us. I know that he sacrificed his only son. His only son to save the world to forgive us of all of our sins. That's what God is willing to do for us. He could watch his son be tortured. He could watch his son pilloried and chased and hounded. He could watch his son be made fun of. He could watch his son be put on trial. He could take the moment that was a moment for Abraham and stretch it out for a lifetime. He could watch his son become strong and become brave, which he was, and wise, which he was, and good, which he was. And then at the very end, he could see people throwing food at him, throwing rocks at him, making fun of him. Hey, look, it's the son of God. What a joke. And on the cross... He could see his son die. So here's a good question. What does that say about the faith that God has in us? So I think it says a lot, actually. I'd like to, at this moment, take some... I'd like to take a moment of silence here and, and have us pray silently. You can do it wherever you are. Pray silently. Or if you're in a room by yourself, you don't have to be silent, but pray for those you know in your life whose faith is shaky, whose faith isn't quite what it used to be. Pray for those who see the church as just a transaction. Pray for those that see the church as just a cash machine as something you put money in, money into, and then you maybe expect something out. So maybe it's better to say that pray for those who think of the church as a slot machine that you put a quarter into and you expect to get something out. 
There are a lot of people in the world right now, especially after the last few years, who are on shaky ground when it comes to their belief in God. And this is not surprising. This was foretold. I've said this before, brothers and sisters, and I'll say it again. It may not be the sole purpose of prophecy, but if you were to ask me, what is the purpose of prophecy? One of its core purposes is to comfort us, the faithful. It is to say, when you reach this point, this is what you're going to see. When you turn that corner, you're going to find a place. When you reach that other plateau, there are going to be signs of the times, and here are the signs. And one of them is to live in a world where people lose their faith and frankly start worshiping lowercase gods again, like they did in Abraham's time. So let's take a moment of silence for our brothers and sisters who need their faith restored. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be his name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Here is a challenge, and I know that I've been a bit shaky for this service, and I apologize. As a disciple of Christ, I should, I should have been in a better state of mind, but sometimes you just have to do what you got to do. But here is a challenge, and it's a challenge for me, and it's a challenge for you, for this week, for this month, for this life you're living. Go out into the world and let your daily work, let the meals you eat, let the family you have, the dogs you walk, let your daily work, the job you go to, let it be an example of living faith. When you go into your place of work, and believe me, brothers and sisters, we live in at least as evil a world as they did in Abraham's time, be as brave as Abraham. Go into that room and don't be afraid. If somebody says to you, what do you believe? Tell them. If somebody asks you, are you a Christian? Say yes. You can and I can do something that Abraham did. Something that the Lord gave us the ability to do because we were created in his image. You can be a light in the world, and the, the way to turn that light on is faith. I can be a light in the world, and I can throw the switch called faith. We can do this together. So maybe today, go out into the world and be the disciple that would leave all your belongings behind if you were asked to, and to follow a stranger you've never met because you can also be the light. God bless you.